Hello and happy question mark election day 2020. This is a mini version of our new Patreon only Buffy podcast, We Are the Gayers, that we decided to put out for all of you who are standing in long lines waiting to cast your votes today. Yeah, so this version of the episode is about a little under half as long as the actual podcast. So if you like what you hear, uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit and you will immediately have access to the full version. And no matter what, I hope that you enjoy this. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for voting. In every generation, there are chosen queers. We alone will stand against the cisheads, the straights, and the forces of darkness. We are the Gayers. Hello, and welcome to We Are the Gayers, a humorous yet ruthless Buffy podcast. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. I'm Jesse Blount. And I'm Theo Julian Forrester. In this episode, The Freshman, first day of college for Buffy and Willow, and Buffy is feeling very overwhelmed by everything. She is overwhelmed by her classes, by buying books, and by just trying to figure out her place on UC Sunnydale's campus. After encountering some very asshole professors and one moderately attractive TA, Buffy finally encounters another lost freshman, but then vampire strike. Because it turns out there is a, a pack of vampires living on this campus, running the fucking smartest scam I've ever seen in my life where they eat students, take all of their things, and then write a goodbye note. And no one is the wiser. Buffy still feeling very put out about Willow being really into college and Xander off on his epic road trip goes to Giles for a little bit of guidance. And he is happily enjoying his life of leisure with his incredibly attractive fuck buddy olivia (laughs) buffy's a little freaked out about sunday and her vampire gang giving her the jump along with a residual sadness about that douchebag angel but xander comes in and gives buffy the pep talk she needs to defeat nearly all of sunday's gang get her groove back and for the rest of the gang to come together to help her and also we see just the littlest bit of foreshadowing about some uh, scary military dudes tasering the last vampire of Sunday's gang. Welcome to the bronze, where we uh, talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Cue ridiculous uh, late 90s pop music. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Because I didn't have an idea for like what the transition should be. yet, But that's that's a really good idea. Okay, just very briefly. When Willow and Buffy are comparing the flyers that they have received, Willow's like, what do you have? And Buffy's like jello shots and Willow's jealous. But Buffy got jello shots and also evangelical and so I'm just really mad that she didn't say Jello shots and Jesus. That's like <laughs> such a big mistake. Wow. <laughs> You're 
so right. <laughs> That's it. Great. So, man. So for me, I was very, uh, very much into Sunday's gang, like keeping tally of how many Klimt versus Monet posters there were. And it led me to reminisce to my college days. I'm like, what would I say are the most popular ones of that time? And I landed on something like either Starry Night or like that one Mm. called Kiss with like the two really attractive girls making out. Uh, Funny story, Theo. Every out lesbian at my college had one of those The Kiss posters. So I like sort of, I'm just like, I sort of hate that because I'm just like, really, you guys? Yes. See, I was not out, so I did not have it, but I definitely spent some time looking at it. (laughs) Okay, so you guys are right now answering one of my questions that's here in this section, which is like, is this a thing for people to have like classic art posters? What the hell? Okay. Why? Okay. I never lived in a dorm. I don't know about this. Please tell me. Okay. So part of it is that every year at the beginning of like at the beginning of fall semester, there'd be some company that much that must exist in every college campus where they sell a fuck ton of posters and they're all of the same thing. So you have like right, you have like classic art prints and then you have like photos of two girls kissing or like sports things or whatever. And like it's the same posters every year. So like so many college students just have those same like I don't know, 24 posters in their dorm room. But why not just go to like the CD store and get like cool posters? I don't, it doesn't make any sense. They're at the mall. The mall is full of cool posters. Go to Spencer's Gifts, get some blacklight posters. Come well, on, freshman. Theo, I don't, I don't know where you went to college, but I went to a college <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. So, so this is, As this is I. what you had to go to unless you want to go Unless you want to go to like the knockoff Kmart that was in town, so I don't know. It was just the way that you looked more worldly. You're like, oh yeah, I'm into art. This is great. Huh. I attempted to look more worldly by just like pretending that I lived in the '70s. So I like just had black light posters. <laughs> I was like, I'm very cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would be interested though to talk to like college freshmen now and be like. Are you still doing this? Is this still a thing? No, because they have they have the internet. I mean, not everyone can have velvet horse posters. Is that... This is a unicorn, please. A unicorn. Please get bad. your shit together. <laughs> I can only see the hindquarters, so I'm a little... Whenever Jesse and I do interviews, it's like just a floating head because it's really important there to me is. that people know that that's a unicorn behind me. <laughs> it is very important. Anyway, why are these vamps hoarders? <laughs> They're keeping everything. Like, why? What are they, like, what are they, I, I agree with you, Jesse, that it's like a good scam, but like, what are they getting out of doing this? They just have like piles of shit everywhere. It was really stressful for me to be in that room with them. I was like, keep what you want. Like, she's, like, sorting the CDs and being, like, crap, crap, and, like, throwing it. But, like, not throwing it away. Just, like, throwing it in their ever-accumulating pile of shit that they don't want. And, like, come on. There's dumpsters around campus. Like, throw that away, please. Yeah. You would think they would just dump them wherever they're dumping the not-vampirized bodies, but... 
Maybe one of the cronies mm-hmm. had like a side hustle as like a Craigslist peddler, but that's probably not in this time yet either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, just just selling CDs. I mean, you used to be able to sell you CDs at record stores. So. Maybe it's a way for them to like engage in conversation and get a victim. Be like, oh hey, I have all this stuff for sale. Come over here under this like street lamp and. <laughs> 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 like opening a trench coat just like <laughs> <of CDs>. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would have to because I'm like they're only eating like I don't know 10 freshmen a, a semester or something I'm like don't you guys need to eat every day like where are you guys getting the rest they're of your probably food from eating more people than that but maybe only robbing certain ones though why would they have chosen Eddie to rob nope that's a great point I have no idea Maybe the people they eat don't live on campus, the rest of them, because they do talk about, like, hitting the tunnels. That's true. That is true. Yeah, I feel like if you were doing that, you'd want to rob the richest looking students. And not, like, or just some... the coolest dude. looking. <laughs> That's true. Like, you should look for the ones that dress like they share your taste in music. That's true. Welcome to the cemetery where we talk about character development because as we see in this episode this is where the character development happens. <laughs> this is where everybody has their heart to heart conversations. Um who do you want to start with? I have Riley first. Me too. <laughs> Tell me more. You know, I'm very split as a person on Riley, but it's been a minute since I watched this, you know, first episode if, with his appearance. And I was like, you know what? You you actually have some pretty good snark it, it here. Like, he has somewhat of a personality. I wouldn't agree with that later on as we go, but <laughs> at least in here, he, is, he has some. And I'm like, yes, I like this. I would be a little intrigued by you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Also... He has really good hair. <laughs> like, for the time, like, he has, like, 90s pop star hair. Like, he looks like Nick Carter and, like, Devin Sawa. He is, he's really bringing the, the good boy hair of the time. And it's so shiny. And, like, I think there is something in this episode that's so appealing about Riley because he's, like, 17 feet tall and like (laughs) ripped and his hair is beautiful and his face is so symmetrical and like he's really like nice while also being like the fuck are you doing and he's super nerdy about psychology in a way that's not like you know college dude like let me psychoanalyze you at the party he's just like yeah it's really exciting I just like really want to talk about it and it's like great great like you're like so you're so sexy and you're like a total nerd i'm in let's go and then they kind of ruin him as theo said as the episode as the season goes on but he has a strong start for sure yeah i did laugh about of course buffy meets him by dropping like eight textbooks on his head i'm like (laughs) you're just trying to take him out already um but i think I think what I find interesting about Riley is that he's like really kind of the, he feels like kind of the epitome of this fantasy of 
corn-fed Midwest slash actual Midwest tornado alley kind of nice like Christian Iowa boys. specifically. <laughs> Iowa specifically, yes. Like a nice corn-fed Midwest boy who's like polite and probably like goes to church with his mom and like is a fantasy that I definitely see a lot of the gay men in my life are into and I'm mm-hmm. assuming heterosexual women are into also. And <laughs> as Forrest will strongly demonstrate just moments from now. <laughs> Listen, Forrest also likes him a corn a corn fed Midwest boy. I mean I, sure I get the, I get I get the appeal. <laughs> and it's just I don't know. It's not a bad trope to beat to embody, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I think just in juxtaposition too to like Angel. Like they have some similarities, but also there's those really hard, stark differences. And I think that's what the initial draw for me with him was too. I was like, oh, you're not brooding over there in a corner. Yeah. Yeah, they have, they have a very similar build, which I'm assuming is like what draws Buffy to him in the first place. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like this, I, I, I texted Jesse about starting this podcast because I've been rewatching Buffy from season one and I got to like season four episode, whatever, when we first meet Forrest and he is just like coming onto Riley so hard. And I was like, I want nothing more in the world than to be talking about this with Jesse. <laughs> like, this, is, this is what I want. And so... I feel like I'm a lot older now than the last time I did a full rewatch of Buffy because I usually just watch an episode here and there. And at this point in my life, I find Angel's attitude so repulsive that I'm no longer physically attracted to him. And so me, I think meeting Riley this time around, I'm like much more drawn to him because he's such a reprieve from Angel who I'm like, get the fuck out of my eyesight, Angel. I never want to see you again. And Riley's just like shiny and nice and earnest. And I'm like, yes, yes. Like, let's go. This sounds yes. great. It makes me think, too, of even, like, when Angel's first introduced, I feel like he also has a much, like, yeah, he has the broodiness, but he also has the sarcasm and, like, the humor is just so much different in, like, the first couple episodes of him to, like, where he eventually gets when I'm just like, shut up already. I'm done with you. So, (laughs) yeah, I I think that's just interesting that, I don't know, just to see how both of them kind of, goodbye. (laughs) 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 <laughs> the only boyfriend of Buffy's that they could like successfully keep enjoyable long term was the one that Joss Whedon was dead set on ruining for us and making Buffy not like in a way that's like completely unrealistic because it's like stop writing him so good if you don't want <laughs> yes. us to like him like what are you doing and then here's these guys that you do want us to like and you just keep making them worse and worse and worse <laughs> and it's like it doesn't have to be that way because like i mean obviously in later on riley has some serious like fragile masculinity issues that he needs to fucking deal with but yes again it didn't it didn't have to be that way and even though riley's not my type he is super hot like it could have it could have worked out yeah he was just such a good challenge for buffy truly and like let's He's not your type, but imagine Riley in the days after punching his superior and declaring himself an anarchist, giving himself a makeover. 
he could have been all of our types. <laughs> like, right? The moment is there. Yes. That's true. I mean, the minute a hot dude renounces the, you know, uh, U.S. imperial military system, I'm there. I'm like, it's great. Yep. Just fucking yes. do it. Yes. Go, go get a highly regrettable anarchist tattoo that's really going to serve you in the coming months as you adapt to your new lifestyle. Like, Riley, go. Get, get your glue. Get that mohawk going. Oh, my God. Start going by your last name. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, I'd be here for that. I'd really be here for that. <laughs> so, some fanfic perhaps <laughs> for Jesse to write. Us. I was literally just thinking about that. So, better put that in my make a note of that. Really anarchist face. I'm like literally sweating. <laughs> I can't believe I've never thought of this before. <laughs> All right, I gotta definitely put that in my list of fanfic I need to write. I just have one line about Walsh, which is what a dyke she is. <laughs> it's yes. never canonized, but she just walks in in her ridiculous outfit and that just butch ass dykey haircut. And I'm just like, it's just, just, that's just the only thing that ever crosses my mind when she walks to a room. Ah. Uh, also, you know, she's also a hard ass, and I'm, like, here for this. <laughs> but also, I think we should talk about Sunday a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. She's just such a good one-off villain, just mm-hmm. living her life, feasting off of freshmen <laughs> in college. I'm like, that's a pretty good setup as far as being a vampire goes. For the past three years, there has not been a slayer anywhere near UFC campus, or UFC Sunnydale campus, so it's an excellent setup. Since the 80s? Hell yeah. Proposal. She was turned when she was a freshman, which is why she's constantly lashing out at freshmen. I I totally believe that. She was Uh, probably a really uncool freshman, too. I was gonna say, when I, like, think about, you know, what parts of her came over and what parts of the demons, I was like, I, I definitely see her wearing the terrible pants and suede pink jacket and whatever you know mm-hmm. and and it was only in her vampire life that she got hella cool yeah yeah definitely probably a nerd but yeah. like a nerd in the like 80s deeply uncool like turtleneck and like i don't know what what nerds wore in the 80s whatever nerdy girls wore in the 80s just sub that in or whatever Carrie circa like the movie Carrie was wearing which I know is the 70s but like I'm thinking more uh John Hughes that's yes that's our that, 80s reference that is a that is a better 80s reference so like Molly Ringwald style but yes. I thought Molly Ringwald was always cool though no right? not in Pretty in Pink or 16 Candles right yeah, she only is cool in Breakfast Club. Okay, I don't I actually don't know if I've seen Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles. Now that I think about it, I think I've maybe only seen the Breakfast Club. John Hughes movies do not stand up to the ravages of time. They do not. So this, this don't go I've... back and watch them. <laughs> you will be horrified. Oh, only when you're in that very particular like preteen area, like you can watch it and be like, oh. 
yes, all of my feels. But yeah, once you're past that, it really doesn't hold I up. don't think today's preteens could, though, because they are woke and they would be like, this is fucking mm. racist and rapey and horrible. Like, no thank you at all. And I think this is the reason why I didn't, because like, you know, I watched Breakfast Club when I was in high school, obviously really into it. And then as I got older, I heard people talking about how like not good the other movies were for these kind of various reasons. And now like even Molly Ringwald herself wrote an article being like, yeah, those movies are fucked up, Mm. you know, like I don't want to watch it with my daughter because they're fucked up. And I'm like, okay. I think Breakfast Club is the one that like comes closest to, to being okay. Definitely the one with the least like... I mean, I think 16 Candles might be the worst yeah. in terms of the racism and the rapiness. But anyway, whatever. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about Buffy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Jesse, who's your final one? Um, I just have one line about Xander, who in general I do not like as a character, especially as I get older. But he really does have, he has his moments, and this episode is definitely one of them. Where he's kind of the one to kind of like kickstart Buffy's self-actualization that she's the shit. And she doesn't need to have these fucking vampires on this college campus like get her down. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And then we can rant about how much he ruins it in our next section. Yep, we sure can. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Hellmouth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. But should we just slide right into that? Yeah. I think that we transition. Should. Fuck Xander. Like, throw his character out the window. Like, that moment that you just described, it's so beautiful. And Buffy is so honored and, like, verklempt, right? And then he's like... And then I jerk off thinking about you. And we're all like, why? Like, what the fuck? What? Why? Ah. I am irate. So (laughs) me and my brother have been having this on and off conversation for the past several months about Ron-like characters in other shows and movies and television and stuff, right? And we have sort of a, a, like a spectrum where you have kind of like, Ron Weasley in the middle of the spectrum. You have Xander at the end of the spectrum as being the worst. And as of right now, at the top of that spectrum, you have Sokka from Avatar The Last Airbender, who's like kind of the best possible version of this, like, you don't have super abilities of any kind. You're just kind of like, you're, you know, you're part of the group as sort of to bring everyone who has the abilities like together and keep the group like cohesive mm-hmm. and like kind of being like the every dude character and for this exact reason about xander making it making this tender moment creepy is why he is the worst version of the ron like unnecessary just like creepiness over and like just like a weird sexualized like possessiveness of buffy that i never liked even the first round through of watching this show that now just feels even more gross yep thesis accepted (laughs) PhD granted. <laughs> I have a PhD in Same. tropes. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
Theo, what were you going to say? I don't know. Was it about Xander? Was it about Xander being the worst? Because I definitely want to hear your thoughts about this. I mean, yes, the worst. I, I just don't even know that I want to use any air on Xander at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <sighs> He's not even worth our time. Nope. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Just no, Sander. No, go away. <laughs> this is when, like, I would like some Harry Potter magic to be like, oh, I wish you were puking up slugs into a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> for every episode and never speaking <laughs> uh, with no Hagrid to take care exactly. of him he doesn't deserve her alright welcome to the magic box where we rant about stuff okay so as someone who is like very bad at like navigation and like dealing with crowds and doing things in the proper order in hectic, overwhelming situations, I am so angry at Willow for not going with Buffy to do orientation, even if they're in different dorms and were like, would have done orientation in different places, they could have done one and then the other. And like, that should have happened and i'm like i'm like really mad about it i'm like i i mean as someone who is very like vocal about my needs about things like that just wouldn't have allowed that to happen i would have been like no i'm coming with you like i'm coming with you and then you're coming with me like i can't do this but like willow could tell how overwhelmed buffy was and like she should have stepped up and provided that support and I'm not often mad at Willow, but I'm really mad at Willow about this. It kind of felt like maybe Willow was like such the oddball out all through high school that this was her chance to be like, I'm totally in the zone here. I know all the things. I'm super prepared. No one's going to make me feel bad. But yeah, I kind of forgot that like, be there for those people that are lost because they were there for you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. How many times has Buffy saved your life? The least you can do is help her figure out where she should be if she has a yellow folder and what time she should get in line to have her picture taken. Yeah. Yeah, I do maybe think that Willow just gets swept up in the not feeling awkward because it's college vibe that I feel like myself included. It's like awkward nerd in high school and you're like, finally, I can just be a regular nerd in college. Until you realize that you, no one still likes awkward nerds in college either. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I think like Willow's whole vibe of most this episode of just being like so like excited and kind of like swept up in the excitement of not, of herself just not feeling awkward that, yeah, she just is very focused on that and not focused on like Buffy's emotional needs. Which like is Buffy's job to be not tuned into her friend's emotional needs. All right. Um, Jesse, what do you have next? Uh, I just have one more thing, which was brought up about when Xander and Buffy are doing their research. And they mentioned the fact that that like frat house that Sunday and her gang are squatting in is because there's like 
is being dragged through like city council about zoning and I, which brought me to the question if like mayor wilkins a straight up literal demon has been the demon mayor of sunnydale for like what like 200 years or whatever is the sunnydale city council also full of demons i mean he wasn't a demon pre-ascension he was like a sorcerer fair he wasn't human <laughs> quite human wasn't he I mean... I think he just found a way to, like, gain immortality. And it's true. I do think the city council is, like, hip to what's mm. going on in Sunnydale, though. Because we see the mayor and Snyder, like, talking with, like, the cops and stuff in season three about cover-ups and things like that, so... Yeah. And I mean, I guess that would also explain why there's, like, so many random places for, like, vampires and demons to hang out as opposed to being, like... Like, why Willie's is still in operation. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> why in this humongous campus do you have this just, like, empty frat house that you could have just put human frat pe- frat boys in or whatever, or sorority sisters in, and, it's, and instead it's just, like, empty and full of these, like, you know, vicious vampires. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying right now imagining, like, Sunday and crew constantly like sneaking into the city council and like stealing the files it's like every time it almost passes the files disappear and they have to start over yes having watched uh detroit city council meetings i feel like it would you wouldn't even have to go that far to like (laughs) just to disturb just to disturb this having never brought this up you could be like ah why we focus on this thing when we could focus on the big money deals that are happening in Sunnydale, maybe. Or every time they try to go in to, like, do zoning, they just, like, turn on all the, like, gas uh, <laughs> taps so that it, like, smells like a natural gas leak in there. And they're like, it's still not safe. I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know, that is also very plausible. <laughs> <sighs> Great. I feel like the only other thing I had and I was debating if it went in this one or the previous section was just like like two instances of it like Walsh saying about like you know all the football players are in geology 101 like you need to go there if, if you don't want to like work for this and then also I think I don't know if it was the RA or who it was but like at Eddie's room when Buffy was talking to him like oh yeah just the weak ones they're just like <laughs> yeah. I was just like shut up. You suck. <laughs> yeah. You suck so also hard. So rude. Uh, so rude. Yep. Also, why does everyone shit on geology? Rocks like, are hard. <laughs> I know. It's like a lot of things to memorize, and also they're cool, and also you have to learn how to recognize what they are by licking them. Like, it's like being a fucking sommelier. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how to tell if it's limestone by licking it? No. Leave the geologists alone. Yeah, geology is, is cool. I'm like, that's the soft option. That's pretty hard still. <laughs> but it is like, that's like a a joke, like bigger than Buffy. Oh, for sure. Of. It's like the underwater basket weaving of of the sciences. I dated a geology major and I, I heard them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Look. I have two Giles-related rants. I'm listening. Actually, I guess the first one is, like, Olivia-related. 
Because apparently at this point, Giles hasn't explained to Olivia about like the whole like monsters watcher situation, which he has by the time we get to hush, but whatever. In which case, their interaction looks so fucking sketchy. Like, I love how cool Olivia is, but like this 18 year old girl shows up and Giles is like, Buffy was my student. And she's like, I need help with my studies. And he's like, oh, your studies. And Olivia's like, (laughs) I'll leave. And it's like, what do you think is going on here? Because you should not feel comfortable with it at all. Like, you you should be like, Giles, what the fuck? Like, what is this girl doing here? What is your relationship to her? Like, clearly they're not monogamous. The point is age differential like this was your student and like clearly you are sleeping with her because there's no other appropriate conclusion to come to from that interaction did she just like walk wow. in too is this like th- she just walks like, the fuck this in this is like the first time they're like in his space right like for the most part i, think I mean so. like this is where they really start hanging out but it's like who just walks into yeah and like lock your damn doors you live in sunnydale <laughs> Yes. I feel like that's like the arching theme of season four is like, Giles, start locking your door. <laughs> yeah. No, like, you're so right. That like hasn't, that hadn't ever occurred to me. I guess. I don't know. I would hope she would have been like, okay, dude, this girl is love. What the fuck? But yeah, you're right. It would we be weird to be like, okay, but dude, what the fuck's happening right now? <laughs> Yeah, like, why are you comfortable with the fact that this girl is in your living room and, like, you're in a bathrobe and you're like, yes, let me help you with your <clears throat> studies. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to Spike's Crypt, where we talk about sexy stuff. Is this the point where we talk about how Jazz could get it? Because I feel like that's my first note. Yep, it is. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just my, like, full stop. I'm just like, yes, like, who wouldn't want to, like, day drink and I'm sure have incredibly hot, like, kinky sex with Giles? Yes. Yes. Duh. Yep. Sign me up. Yep. Like, honestly, I want, I would love to watch Giles and Olivia's sex tape. Oh my god, yes, because Olivia is so hot. She's so hot. Her attitude, even though it's like so profoundly uncomfortable to imagine (laughs) walking into someone's house and someone not wearing any fucking pants is just like talking to you. Like, no problem. I'm not going to like do anything about this situation. Like, holy shit awkward but like when you think about just like the attitude that comes with that you're like oh my god (laughs) like she's like let me just lean against this wall make sure this shirt doesn't shift to the left or right at all and like chat with you while we wait for what was like the line was it like slip into something less comfortable like she (laughs) yes yes (laughs) i was like please don't (laughs) right (laughs) 
Yeah, that's definitely the like. Uh, I guess I gotta put like underwear on because like this is real awkward. <laughs> and then you have to cover your incredible legs, which is a crime against humanity. Yes. <sighs> I think the thing that's super wild about this is that she is even hotter the next time we meet her, which is like, how? Yeah. I mean, it's the undercut. It's the, I think that's enough talk. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just such a shame that we never, we get her for like, maybe like what, like three or four episodes, then never again. I'm just like, mm. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Yep, hot couple of the year award. That's the moral of this story. Yep. And she calls him Ripper. You're just like, y'all are gonna some freaky ass shit. I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> uh, Theo, are you good? Okay. Um, how about just Willow being hot for school? <laughs> Does that count as sexy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Someone should read the whole passage. Who wants to perform that for us? I just took like little notes and just was getting redder and redder and had to stop. Are you going to tell us what your notes <laughs> no. are? No, no, I mean about like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean about like the the thing she's saying about like the penetrating force and the thrusting and spurting. College. And I was just like, oh my god, I have to leave now. Don't, don't talk about learning this way. Oh, oh my god. Um, but yeah, I just love how dialed in she is about everything. Like the library, the clubs, the just... She can't get enough. Yeah, she's really leaning into her like college glow up. I feel like I respect that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As someone who also had a glow up in college. <laughs> oh, Willow. Also, it's just like, yeah, where's this? How have you just keep going along with this metaphor? It's gets more sexual. <laughs> yep. I love that Buffy just kind of rolls with it and is like, I'm all for spurty knowledge. Um. All right. So we just got to talk about the fact that Xander was a stripper, which despite the sweater vests, we know how great Xander looks in a Speedo. So like, and he spends a lot of time dancing at the bronze, which is like a weird thing for a teenage boy to do, but like he does it. So he probably had some pre-existing knowledge of how to do that. I'm here for it. And that is by far the most lucrative job that Xander has up until he gets his promotion in season six. And I'm like, why didn't you just keep stripping? Like, why did you drive an ice cream truck when you have that skill set? You could have been making way more than yes. enough money to move out of your parents' basement. And Anya would have been super here for Anya. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, she would have been so supportive. She'd have been there every night and like not jealous or weird about him. Like, you know, she's just been like, yeah, give him money. That money will then come to me. And also 
I enjoy watching other people put my like this is my two favorite things Xander naked and dollars like that is Anya's kink yeah she definitely would have been like the very direct hype man being like you should give him money like right now like what are you doing like put some dollars in his g-string or something and it's like it just seems you are correct in that Anya would have been into it it would have been very lucrative but Xander would have been too embarrassed to to like for anyone else to know besides Anya, so he wouldn't have done it, which is some bullshit. And he just lo- he he lost out on just so much financial gain he could have had for like two yeah. seasons. Yeah, I mean he's already like on a night schedule because of all of the like going out patrolling. Like it's just it's would have been the perfect career, is what I have to say. Yeah, if Xander had less toxic masculinity, he should have gone for it, but... Welcome to the library, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. My first thing is neither of those two things, which is just uh, looking at what the fuck of human bondage is actually about. And basically, it, from what I could tell, it is a book that is well-liked by edgy teen boys about a main character who's, like, searching for happiness and, like, in this, like, variety of, like, fucked-up relationships until he just settles for a nice average lady, <laughs> blah de blah which is quasi-based on the author's own experience as being a self-hating gay man living in the time after Oscar Wilde's criminal trial when, like, sodomy is like you know the beginning of that being like actually criminalized Mm. so yeah just just some i mean just a different flavor of angsty teen boy reading is what i could tell it's very dark apparently i don't know interesting yeah um theo i really didn't have much for for this segment i think the only question i have and it like dates predates this season it's just like when they slay a vampire, what's with the sometimes they're immediately dusted and other times they're like there for like a good one liner and then they're gone. Like, what's the holdup? <laughs> <laughs> it's for the drama. I don't know. <laughs> for the drama and the CGI. So breaking, cutting edge. <laughs> yes. It does seem like the the better of vamp is at being not in vamp face the majority of the time, the more of a skeleton they have as they disintegrate. So maybe as you like lean in, like become more accustomed to like being a vampire and having control over your like body and stuff, you like integrate or something like that. Maybe. Possibly. I do. I I do definitely think that there is how I want to put this like if like let's like let's pretend that like vampirism in this show is like a virus it's not actually a virus it's like some kind of weird you know demon magical hand wavy blah blah but there appear to be like different strains of it sometimes you get vampires who just right are just in vamp face and are very boring or very much like I just want to eat you and don't seem very people like you know Mm -hmm. um but then you have you know vampires like 
Darla and Spike and Drusilla and like Holden, for example, you know, and Angel, where it's like clearly whatever kind of vampirism you guys have, whenever you make another vampire, there's still a lot of humans still up in that mix, you know, mm-hmm. like for whatever fucking reason, which the judge in whatever season episode three that is brings up when he's like, oh, this random nerd Dalton, he has more humanity in him than the rest of the other vampires. And it's like. Yeah, so does Spike and Drusilla. So like, he tries to eat them, them too. Yeah, so there's clearly something different about Darla slash the Masters line of vampires for sure. But I think you could say that there's something different about other different lines of vampires that I think could account for the fact that like, right? Why do you get vampires that like have the skeletons or take a minute to like dust versus ones that are dusted immediately? Besides the convenience of the writers writing a one-liner slash the budget of CGIing, you know, the vampires. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening to our first episode of We Are the Gayers. Uh, We will be back. I haven't told Jesse and Theo this yet, but (laughs) I intend to put this out on every full moon. So we will be back on the next full moon with our next episode, which will be season four, episode two, Living Conditions, I believe is what it's called. Oh, more Kathy. (laughs) So much Kathy. So much Cher. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you have you have 28 days to watch it. Get ready. So, you know, that's cool. And um, thanks for being our patrons. You're all the best. We love you very much. Thank you for uh, throwing money to us for us to continue to make hilarious and fun content like this here, this here uh, podcast. Yes. Oh, and legally, I have to say that the music in the intro is by Kevin McLeod. <laughs> acknowledged uh, yes until next time are we doing the thing the gur arc thing yeah all right uh, until next time gur 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 alright someone count down from three alright alright three two one gur Arr. Arr. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just speed it up in post and it'll be fine. <laughs>